All right, here we are in the thick of things. How are we doing? <laughs> the thick of things. That's right. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We're doing good. We're doing good. Guess what yeah. I did yesterday? Did you preach? I preached. I celebrated Mass, Sunday Mass for the first time in weeks, maybe even a month. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, I hope you were celebrating Sunday Mass Well, anyway. okay. <laughs> Pub- like a public Mass. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. I'd hate to scandalize the listener. Yes, I have mass every day. <laughs> good. Uh, how was the? Uh, how was that mass? How was your homily? I think it was good. I'll uh, I'll post a link to it <gasps> on the Straight Jesuit Web uh, YouTube page. Oh, good. So it's recorded. That's great. Um, can you give me a quick summary of what you uh, what you did? I yeah. Let me uh, refresh my memory. <laughs> <laughs> was that yesterday? Why don't we just take a minute and, and watch it. <laughs> I'll take a minute and listen. Oh my goodness! Uh, While you're looking for that, I can tell you what I did. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, I uh, I decided to uh, just like this week. The parables are just continuing. Like Jesus is on like nonstop parable mode. Yeah. Um. And so I I connected yesterday's parables to the week before, and I said, hey, like the sower and the seed from the week before was all about like our disposition to receive the word and put it into practice. Yeah. This week it was about God's God's action and not so much mm. our disposition. So how God puts very carefully the smallest seed into the soil, how God kneads the dough and takes care of us after planting the seed. So not so much about our disposition but about how God works in us after planting the seed. Yeah, I had a similar take. I was talking about the uh, the patience, the cultivation, how um, how we kind of have a uh, an option before us. Are we going to? Because let's face it. I mean, and I think I said this last week that God has already um, given us fertile soil. Yeah, the blood of the cross has given us everything. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. we going to grow? Well, how are we going to grow? Because we're going to grow. <laughs> so are we going right. to do what um, what they say in the parable? Are we going to rip up all the weeds and the wheat and have nothing mm-hmm. left for the harvest? Or are we going to, um, I said this in my homily, are we going to risk failure? Uh, Ooh, wow. So. Yeah. Is risking failure letting it grow side by side? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah, that's because good. That's, because I mean, that's the, uh, that's kind of the, sca- that it, well, it is the scandal of the cross that that grace has been so freely given. Right, right. You know, there is something really beautiful about that passage in saying that God is so merciful and patient that he even lets our sin sometimes grow. I hate to say it so poignantly, but it's almost like that, like letting letting the good grow with the bad. Yeah. Um, well, again, I mean, it's, it's because, and this was our, my whole point about why use parables in the first place, because it's not uh-huh. just, God is not coming down and, controlling every aspect of our lives, of our imaginations, we would reject that outright. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I used an, last yesterday, I used an example of, uh, you know, when, when you're a kid and, and your parents tell you not to do something, well, you're going to do it. And because I said so is really not a good reason for anybody. Right. Not just hyperactive me as a child. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um like that's just not how we work, and fortunately, that's not how God works either. And yeah. so, I think that's part of why God allows that, because that's how we make the right choice by being faced with a choice. <laughs> mm, if there was no yeah. choice, there would be no love. Right, 
Right. And by speaking in parables, it opens up the possibility there for understanding beyond just being told right, exactly. You know, exactly. right and wrong. And I think it's interesting. This may I don't remember what it was last week, but the this week's at least the Alleluia verse is again about the little ones mm-hmm. and the mysteries of the kingdom. Ooh, is it the same one? I wonder. I think it's the same. Let me check. Yeah, because last this week at least again we have parables and you have revealed the, to the little ones the mysteries of the kingdom, and it kind of goes yep, with this exactly theme. The same. <laughs> is it? Yeah. So it just it just goes with this great theme that somehow Jesus speaking to us in parables is him speaking to us like children, yeah. but not in a fall in line and do as I say, but in right. a, here's, it's story time, boys and girls. Well, it's know? that, yeah, it's that distinction between childlike and childish. It, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so ch- Jesus is treating us like the children that we are in a yeah, good way. You know, right. he's instructing us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like this week, again, again, we have all these parables. Well, they're not parables this time, I guess. They're, well, kind of. Kind of. Um, yeah. It's all these similes, you know, like Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like, is mm-hmm. like, is like over and over again. And I got to tell you one thing that I did not focus on last week that I always re- hesitate to preach on, but it may, it may have to happen this week, um, is I didn't preach on like the eschatological sort of like end of the world dimension of some uh-huh. of these parables. Um, if you remember last week with the wheat and the wheat, it was very much his interpretation was very much about the end of time. And how the angels will separate out the wheat and the chaff yeah. and will burn the chaff. And, and he says explicitly, it's like, that's the end of time also, not just in the world. And I think this week, too, he talks about, thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous. So that that part of these parables, it's very prominent in Matthew. But I I skirt it a little bit. Mm. I'm kind of afraid to preach about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder, you mentioned that the last couple of weeks have been, we've been kind of progressing. And so I wonder if this is the natural conclusion to that. We've been, okay, we've been planted and then we've been cultivated and Mm -hmm. now we are reaping the benefits of the harvest. Right. You know, and it's good. Like if if you're the preacher three weeks running, which I Mm -hmm. will be, I will have preached three weeks in a row. It's great to like harken back to what you said. Like if you if you're thinking ahead as a preacher and saying two weeks from now we're going to have this reading, how can you prepare that in advance? You know, and not and not say like this is going to be a three week series, but to say right. like, you know, last week we spoke about how my disposition as a Christian to receive the word, uh, and then this week God spoke about how He's cultivating and the growth is happening by His Spirit, and then now this third week. I can harken back to those and say, now that that's happened, what fruit is going to be born in me? And there's something on the table here, which is, you know, my eternal soul, which mm-hmm. is a good culmination, like you're saying, of, of this entire trajectory. Um, do you hesitate with preaching about that kind of stuff? I, I'm hesitant. Well, I... How do I answer? No. <laughs> Short answer is no. Uh-huh. But the way that I tend to do it is... Almost like a, uh, you know, when you start a, a one of these binge series that they'll give you the recap at the beginning of the episode. Right. And I kind of do that. Not like, let me just tell you what I said last week, but here are the themes that we've been hearing these last few weeks. Right, right. And how that, and how that kind of plays out, how that works. That's kind of what sure. I do. Not all sure. the time, but when there is a theme that's continuing through week to week. Yeah. Um, I guess, so... What about specifically with this eschatological stuff? How do you feel about preaching on that? Oh, uh, yeah. well, it gets it gets a little complicated, <laughs> as you could imagine. Mm-hmm. 
especially when we're looking at um, this part from the letter to the Romans where so much ink has been spilled. Um, justification, glorification, predestination, all of these kind of hot hot words, hot topic words are, are right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that this could be, it would take a lot more work, to be quite honest, a lot more research. Um, but I think it could be worth it to give like, the genuine Catholic approach to end times because yeah. all we ever really hear are what people think they know or what they thought they heard, you know, in a movie one time. Right. right. Rather than what's actually taught by the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and these are the readings that we get a lot of that theology from. So, mm. yeah, I guess part of my hesitation is that I don't feel as, sort of knowledgeable about yeah, our yeah. theology of the end times as I probably should be. Um, like, like the fact that there is a dimension that's eschatological here is evident, right, in this gospel. And maybe just letting this be what it is, is that, you know, again, the kingdom of, is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects every fish, and then it's hauled ashore, and things are divided up. Like maybe just leaving it simple like that is... It's fair. Like this is the he'll say this again at the end of Matthew's gospel with the sheep and the goats. Yeah. But now it's with good and bad fish. Um and maybe just leaving it at that. And like there's the moral injunction is that at the end of time, like there is a division between sheep and goats. There is a division between good and bad harvests. And that means that there's a, a burden on us and a responsibility. Like without having to enter into a lot of the theology of what purgatory and hell and heaven is, you know. Yeah. You know, I wonder <sighs> I wonder if the way that we could approach this is just simple. Like, I think the biggest misconception that people have about the final judgment is that you could possibly accidentally find yourself damned for all time. <laughs> mm. Like, oh, I woke up one day and, you know, I'm in a lake of fire. How'd that happen? That's mm. not how it works. Like, you're not going to get tricked at the final moment. You're going mm. to walk in there freely. <laughs> you're going to to welcome it, it with open mm. arms. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I appreciate the lack of surprise, but I think part of the problem is that some of it is unknown to me in the sense of like, what am I cultivating in my, in my life right now that is conducive to an eternity of life with God? Or am right. I cultivating things in me that are so foreign from God that I will not have it any other way but to be separated from God for all eternity? Yeah. Um. So uh, one thing I was noticing while you were mentioning that is that here we're not talking in the gospel about the kingdom of God, but he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, Mm, Um, which I've seen that distinction and I don't really understand it, but it might be an interesting way of hitting on this eschatological dimension again, is that we're not talking necessarily about the kingdom of heaven, uh, of God, but the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing, but it's putting a finer point on the fact that we're talking about something beyond earth, you know? So are we, are we talking about, um... The difference between the first judgment and the final judgment? <laughs> I don't Which know. I don't really is, understand. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Like, we're a little bit out of our depths, you know? Yeah, and so I think yeah. it's it's kind of funny that the gospel ends with, do you understand all these yeah. things? And they said, no. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> they answered yes. And I'm wondering, they were probably shifty-eyed looking yeah. at each other saying, uh, sure. Yeah, Jesus. absolutely. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> we get this. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus does a similar thing um, this week as he did last week. And... Again, I, th- I find that people so often look at the first part of the sentence and forget the second part. Like the kingdom of heaven is like a tr- treasure buried in a field, full stop. Mm-hmm. 
There's which more than that. a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Like there's mm. so much action going on in these little sayings that yeah, we ignore yeah. so often. Right, right. So it's not just like a pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. It's, I think we say that. We say the kingdom is like a pearl of great price. It yeah. doesn't say that. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the kingdom of heaven is something dynamic. It's a merchant searching for fine pearls. Then when he finds the pearl of great price, he goes and sells all he has to buy it. So th- what does it mean to say the kingdom of God is like a merchant that's searching for fine pearls? Who are the fine pearls? We I are. think <laughs> one reading of this says that the kingdom of God is the fine pearl. But I think that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. He's yeah. saying we're the fine pearl mm-hmm. that God is on journey looking yeah. for us. Yeah. You know? So it, it, it kind of goes back to your whole point about are you going to be surprised on the day of judgment to end up in hell? Well, it's like if God is looking for you, searching for you, let yourself be found, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and it yeah, puts a different spin on it, you know? Um, yeah, similar to the field or, you know, the net thrown into the sea, you know, am I letting myself be caught, you know? Am I letting myself be fished? Um, one thing I was reading Ratzinger on the priesthood, and he was saying, you know, those who are called to be fishers of men were first fish, mm-hmm. you know, before they were fishermen, uh, because we're all called to be the fish first, the one that's caught by the Lord and then sent to, to go fish for further fish. Um, yeah, anyway, that's that's one way of getting yeah. at this gospel. What do you think? Yeah, no, I like that. I think, you know, it's, it's important to, again, like I've already been saying, like it's important to help people realize that the gospels aren't just pithy little throwaway lines like how we typically use scripture um there's so much more depth there and that's kind of what i said even last uh yesterday with my homily like this isn't this is why tolkien didn't like allegory because it's not just some little you know we're not putting god into this neat nice neat little box so that right. we can, you know, tuck it away and use it when, when we when we need it. Mm-hmm, like there's a depth mm-hmm. here that that these parables are trying to get us to realize. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And I love that the depth this week that at least you're you're opening my eyes to a little bit is that I'm the pearl of great price too. Yeah. You know, like that's that's very consoling. Mm-hmm. You know, and that if the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant and God is the merchant. So, like, I think one reading of this is very, like, human-centered, is that I'm a merchant looking for God, and mm-hmm. I find God, and I sell everything to have him. But, man, what if God is the merchant, and he sells everything to have me, you know? Like, that's yeah, a very well, that's, different reading of it. Yeah, that's Jesus. He did that. Literally did that. <laughs> and he literally did that. Yeah. It's so great, because it, it gets to your point about, like, I think we feel sometimes that like we have to earn salvation. It's yeah. like Jesus is trying so hard right. to just give it to us. Right. <laughs> he just yeah. wants us to take it. Yeah, and that separation that happens, the wicked from the righteous, <laughs> are those that are closing themselves off off and not and are not willing to be found. Right, 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 right. Like it's so, not okay. it's not something that you did per se. Mm-hmm. I mean it it is, okay. Um Yeah. So okay, so here's here's a clever little twist to the story maybe that you could preach on a little bit so we say we say they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth it's kind of a throwaway line wailing and grinding of teeth that just is a symbol for you know hell and torment yeah what does wailing mean what does grinding of teeth mean so why would grinding teeth why would wailing just to think about like when someone is wailing and suffering it's sometimes also because they know that there's something that they they're missing it's Mm. not just it's not just noise. It's yeah. 
like something that I wanted is no longer mine. Uh, and I'm wailing in despair. Maybe wailing, I think of as screaming, but it could also be wailing in tears, you know? Um, Ooh, bro. I just had a horrific thought. What's that? What if once the damned have recognized what has happened? Because <laughs> you're, I think you're totally right. This wailing recognizes the deficiency. Mm-hmm. You've noticed, you've, you've realized what you've given up, what you've spent your entire life abandoning and then you can do nothing but wail and moan and grind yeah. your teeth yeah like that's yeah. scary whoa yeah i think hell is filled with sad people yeah it's <laughs> not just like it's not just closing your your yourself off it's not just walking away it's walking away and then and then coming to the realization of what you just walked away from Right. And hey, who did that in the Gospels? The rich young man. He walked yeah. away sad, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the wailing that comes from sadness, that's because you realize that you you don't have the ability to let go of yourself and allow the Lord, you know? Um, yeah. And then the grinding of teeth as well. I, I mean, that's a very powerful evocative image I, I kind of ignore. You know, what does it mean to to grind your teeth? It's like you're closing your mouth to eating. Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not open to being fed. Like grinding my teeth, and you can't I know, I know, proclaim, right? You can't. Like I know grinding of teeth means something about anger, but like I think also just take the evocative nature of it and say, you can't open your mouth to preach, you can't open your mouth to feed. You're grinding your teeth, you're keeping your mouth clasped shut, uh, and that's damnation. You know, you mm. don't sing the glories of God anymore. You wail in your own lamentation. Right. Mm. Wow. That's kind of depressing. Yeah. <laughs> That's hell, though. I mean, hell. Yeah, hell. I think yeah, we, we often per- we portray hell as torment, and it is, but it's not necessarily torment in the physical punishment. Yeah, it's sense. not like torture. It's and it could be torturous, but it's not necessarily devoid of sadness. It's sadness more than it is pain, but it's the pain yeah. that comes from sadness. Wow. I think more than anything else. I think you know? you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> um, no good. So maybe we could preach on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, a little fire and brimstone never hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, any, uh, so we're getting close to the end here, but I, the first reading, I didn't really get a lot out of, I don't, what do you think? The yeah. Solomon stuff. I mean, it's, it's another one of these really fascinating stories. This is like Solomon's high point where he's, you know, he, sh- he shows himself as truly, uh, the son of his father, David. Uh, right. he gives him this great gift of wisdom and then proceeds to squander it <laughs> through mm-hmm. the sin yeah. of syncretism and bringing in idols and whatnot yeah and so it is fascinating that you know yeah i don't know i don't really know what to make of that and so i think i will avoid it a little bit (laughs) i got i got one i got one suggestion for you you in particular that i think that you may like a lot um notice what he asks for did Uh, you see what he asked for give your servant therefore to give your servant therefore an understanding heart to judge your people and distinguish right from wrong so what does the distinguish right from wrong remind you of? The garden. Yeah. <laughs> so the the wisdom he's asking for is precisely the wisdom mm. that Adam and mm-hmm. Eve didn't have grasped at. You know? They yeah. they grasped at the knowledge of good and evil, which is wisdom. And they grasped at it and led to the fall. So here you have Solomon who's begging the Lord for it. Oh, um, interesting. I don't know. There's something interesting there that might be food for thought. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I mean, hmm. you can you can sit with that. Uh, yeah, I will sit with that. 
I don't really have anything to say about that right now. (laughs) Maybe next week. All right, cool, man. Any uh, parting thought for today? Uh, No. Go pray. All right. Sounds good, bro. Till next time. All right. Peace.